Hi, I'm Nathan. And I'm Emily. And this is Mess is More. A messy marriage podcast. We're here to get real with you about the fun and the flaws. The grief and the gratitude. The mirth and the myth of marriage. We all know that partnerships are powerful, but they're also pretty messy. And getting to the good stuff can take a lot of trial and error. So join us while we talk about our mistakes and the lessons we've learned about relationships. So far. Because it's not always perfect. But it's usually worth it. Hello and welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Mess is More. Here we go. Here we are. To start it off, cheers. Cheers. Hooray. Um, so this is our first attempt at recording a podcast episode from somewhere other than our house. That's crazy. The traveling yes. podcast setup is a go. Does it? Does it sound adventurous to you? I I feel like I'm having an adventure. I'm not asking you. I'm asking them. <laughs> they can't answer, though. Let's just say they, they're they probably saying yes. Very adventurous. Because it, we're up in the Rockies. We're up in the mountains. We are in the mountains. It. We're at the headwaters of the Rio Grande. What's oh left of it? What's left of it? It's drying up faster than you can... <laughs> Say, we we have the most water of all of the Rio Grande where we are currently. Yeah. Would you say? Well, it's where it all starts. It's where it starts. Everything funnels Every into it drop. here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a magical place. It's this little town called Creed, it's Colorado. Amazing. And we're there because Emily is working. I'm working. Um, she is uh, doing a theater contract um, for four months. Up in the Rockies. Four and a half. Four and a half. Like 20 weeks. And I'm just like going back and forth and uh, working remotely and taking care of Nola a bit. And it's it's a wild, crazy time. It's amazing. Yeah. It's uh, what a what a time to be alive. <laughs> it's, it's so busy. Uh, but the fact that we're in such a beautiful place mm-hmm. makes it so wonderful also. Yeah. And part of of why we're here and why we're spending this much time here, and like a little added bonus, is we are actually in the middle of preparing to do a concert for this theater company um, to raise money for them and to benefit like their education programs, which we like love. And um, yeah, all the proceeds go to the theater company. mm -hmm. And so. Um, you know, it's a nonprofit organization, so they uh, use the funds to produce amazing theater, and they do have an incredible education yeah. program. Uh, they're providing free childcare, which we'll talk a lot more about mm-hmm. um, in the coming weeks. But, uh, but so we're doing this concert, Nate and I, as a benefit for the theater. But here's the cool part. It's our podcast yeah, in it's, concert. It's literally called Mess is More, the musical, which is not really a musical. We're not dancing. There's no look. There's not no dance all numbers have to have or dance. choreography. It's not too late. <laughs> I, we can do a pot of beret, sassball change. I'm going to dust you know. off that dance belt. Yep. And your tap shoes. <laughs> Just a dance belt and tap shoes. That's, that's all, all I need. That's why I fell in love with you. Mm. <laughs> anyway, was that too much information? No. That no. won't be in the concert. No. So the concert is like, yeah, it's like our our usual banter and stories and stuff, but a lot of music. Yeah. Music that we love, music that you love, some stuff you may have never heard, but you will love it after we sing it to you. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> if you like us talking in your ear holes, just wait till we sing in your ear holes. <laughs> We're both trained singers, by the way. We are. I don't know if you knew. Yeah. Some of us are a little more out of practice than others, but, but trained nonetheless. It's great. <laughs> if you all caught our radio play... In the Christmas season of 2020, we uh, sang in that as well. Yeah. That was fun. But <laughs> we won't be singing holiday music at your ears. No. It'll be other things. That would be ridiculous. We uh, So anyway, we, we have this concert. We'll, we'll talk more about it a lot, I guess, you yeah. know, because it's coming up in like a month. Yeah, July 19th. Uh-huh. 7 p.m. All of you who are listening right now, come to Creed. Yeah. If you've never been, it will change your flipping life. It's a beautiful place. I'm not exaggerating. She's not. It's magical. She's not. It's in this giant caldera from this ancient volcano that Mm -hmm. erupted, and there's this like beautiful layered, craggy rocks, and the -hmm. the town is right at the mouth of this canyon. There are all these old mines everywhere. There's tons of history, amazing energy. Yeah, it's just really cool people, beautiful amazing, galleries in town, and the theater is like insane. Place. It's so it's cool. It's awesome. So, okay. Part of what all of this is leading to is as we've been preparing this concert and we've been getting it ready, it, it got us thinking a lot about, you know, obviously in a marriage, you collaborate and work together a lot. You know, you're always kind of in pursuit of. You know, what your mind's eye and the goals that you have as a couple. But we were talking about how it's how different it is when, as a couple, you're pursuing something creative, you're pursuing something like outside outside of the relationship, of the relationship, and how it brings different elements of yourself into the into play. And it, it, and I and we found it, it has affected our relationship a great deal. So today's episode is all about kind of how creativity brings out a lot of parts of your personality, I think for the better in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, um, but also how you can kind of take some of the lessons you learn working creatively with your partner into like your everyday working together relationship. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not always easy to have... The, the daily goals and the daily things in mind, but working creatively Wait, together. You mean in a relationship? Yeah. Like, for example. For example, it's not always obvious, like, what you're aiming towards that week, that month, that uh-huh. year. Uh-huh. You don't have, like, a finish line or a big idea in, in mind. Right. And I think when you have something creative, it really brings you – like, brings a focus – uh, to the goal. To the goal and like to what you're doing. And it kind of ha- makes you tighten up and it makes you like plan differently and really look at things differently and set that in motion. And I think there's a lot to be learned and a lot that you can take from those things and put in more into your everyday relationship practice. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you've ever done a creative project with your partner, we A, want to hear about it because that sounds interesting because we yeah. like creative projects. And um, then we're going to talk a little bit about some th- different things we've done and the lessons we've learned from those experiences and how they've impacted um, our marriage to date. Yeah. Also, I'm curious, like, I just I just had a flash of a, uh, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski who, like, work on A Quiet Place together. They're my dream. Like, I want to be them when I grow up. Oh, yeah. Couple. Oh, yeah. Like, couples who collaborate 
and seem to do it well. Mm-hmm. Who are some other? I can't think of others. Maybe we need to have people write in and tell us. <laughs> tell, tell us but who like, they are. It's it's basically Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, and then you and me. I think that's it. I think it. that's it. It's a short list. <laughs> those, and, those two. And I bet that they won't give you nearly as much insight into their collaboration as we're about to. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about some different ways we've collaborated creatively. And mm-hmm. a lot of those have been in service to my career mm-hmm. uh, and and sort of because Nate has a theater background as well, I've been really fortunate in working for some theater companies who have hired the two of us to create shows. I'm like their little like pet project. They're like, sure, Nate, come along. Come on. You can do some art. No, they're like, Nate, come to the dark side. Like, you don't want to be an education consultant. That's boring. Come do like crazy stuff they're, with us. They're working the angle always. Yeah. They're like, I'm sure you don't want to do improv this year. Yeah. And Nate wasn't sure. And now he's doing now I'm improv. doing improv. That's <laughs> great. So um, what was the first time we ever collaborated on a creative project together? So the first first one, well, I think to start, like, let's just get the podcast out of oh, the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this, making the podcast, it's like we're very much sussing things out in real time, right? Yeah. We pick a topic and you we kind of come at it from a lot of different angles. And sometimes the takeaways and the aha moments are happening as we say them. And we're mm-hmm. like looking at each other like... Wow, that was an insightful thing you just said. So I think what I have taken away from doing a podcast with you is that it really forces me to participate in very active listening. Emily will be the first to tell you that I am not always the most active listener. Sometimes like I'm a wait for you to finish talking so I can say something or and I'm sorry, what? What? I wasn't. <laughs> you were. I wasn't listening. Yeah. I, I, yeah, no, it's, uh, well, yeah, sometimes that's true. Yeah. And, and, and in the podcast, it's like when we're recording, I have to be locked in. I have to be listening intently. I have to be following the thread. I have to hold on to the idea I have, but make sure I'm yeah. hearing what you're saying so that when I do chime in next, it like makes sense. Yeah. But to know? be fair to you, I talk all around. Like I am the Jeremy Barry of subject talkers. Does that make <laughs> Jeremy Barry? <laughs> Yeah, that was so, a great, obscure, good place But do you reference. get it? I do. Yeah, you're like the little, like I'm the dot on the eye, and yeah. you're just all. You're like, this is where we are. And I'm like, everywhere all at once. Yeah. In all times. <laughs> like, so. and 253 Jeremy Paramis later. <laughs> we got back to We the, got back to the point. The original point. <laughs> you all probably don't know what we're talking yeah. about at all if you've so, listened to the podcast. So I think that's the big the big takeaway I've taken from working with you on the podcast is it just it makes me be more attentive. It allows me to hone my active listening skills, which are always in desperate need of honing. I just I was just laughing at this like little mini conversation about our podcast, how it's a perfect indication of what we do. Yeah. Because you started talking about the point. Yep. And then I went and talked about your reference. <laughs> distract me and then you're like but <laughs> but also. i think what we're saying is <laughs> we 
we have to listen. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've gotten better at that. Much better at it. Since we started the podcast. Yeah. Oh, the first time we tried to record a podcast, it was just, you know, two <laughs> hours of Emily talking and me interrupting. You were so mad. You were like, wait, what? What are you saying? What? I was talking about this. I was in the middle of a thing. And I'm and- like, yeah, yeah. This is all in support of that. I promise. I'm like, Just, I lost it. I haven't gotten it. I don't get yet. it. So, much improved. Yeah, um, good. So, so, that's like our ongoing collaboration. We're going to get comments later. They're like, you two have not improved. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it's it's just and to them, I steady say, downhill. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um well, what's interesting about the podcast is that it's like it's a collaboration of a creative project, but it's also collaboration in regards to the relationship. Yes. So it's like those two things smushed together. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of different. But like some of these other projects, I'd say, are very, at least the, a lot of the more successful ones mm-hmm. uh, are like compartmentalized yes in a way yeah uh, this one we have to bring our uh, like authentic self yeah to it um in service it, of it yeah but it's not like a a, a rough thing no at it's all. not at it's all it's very cleansing would it you is say? very cleansing yes <laughs> yeah. i cannot tell you the number of times we like record an episode we finished and we're kind of like whoo that was okay yeah. we're gonna talk about that later yeah. You know, because it, it brings things up, you know, and it, you know, we often talk about things a lot before we record it, and then we record it, and then we talk about it a lot afterward. So yeah. it, I think, brings us into a place of listening and, and participation and engaging with each other mm-hmm. in a really like concentrated, focused way that I think benefits us a lot, you know. So I don't know Agreed. if you um, have trouble talking with your partner and start a podcast and you'll, uh, Figure yeah. it out. Or, or you just put on headphones and, you know, just a microphone in between you. and Or better yet, just listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. And then-, <laughs> and then you can talk about how, you know, we're, yeah. we suck and you're better than us. Yeah. And that's fine. If we are here just to make you feel better about your relationship, we are proud to be For those people. Those two are a mess. <laughs> yeah. Hence the Hence. names. <laughs> that's why we changed it. Yeah. We're like, let's just lean into the, the, the messy the mess part. part. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. So okay. first big project we worked on with each other. I I feel like this was a very in critical time in our life and in our marriage. We wrote, conceived, and directed two kids shows for this very same theater that we're at, at Creed Repertory Theater. They invited us to... Why shouldn't they, they invite us? We pitched no, shows we pitched to them. No, we pitched a show and because... And then they were like, <clears throat> interesting ideas. Go for it. Um, so, yeah, well, what what happened was I feel like after my second or third season with this company, you were, like, really interested in their new play program, mm-hmm. and we were workshopping new plays and stuff, and you were like, I'd like to try to write a play. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then we also fell in love with the education department and this kid show that they produce every year, which this year's their 20th season Super of Super exciting. And... We uh, were really inspired by what these kids and they produce a full, a fully produced show in like three weeks. Three weeks, and and it's always amazing. 
And it's and it's really driven by them. I mean, it's yeah. written and directed by adults in the company, but mm-hmm. they have such a huge hand in the creative process yeah. and just seeing the, those ideas come to fruition, yeah. fully realizing this creative project. Yeah. <clears throat> so we fell in love with that, and we had the idea to do a fifty-minute adaptation of a Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. but contemporize it a little bit so yeah. that you know the kids would feel like it. It made sense to them, and then we can tie in the yeah. Shakespeare and all of that. So we it was uh, it was called Rodeo and Juliet, and essentially it was written uh, in iambic pentameter based around this idea of like a dueling circus and a dueling um, rodeo that are competing. Instead of like the two f- classic families, we put that little spin on it, and it went so well. I think from start to finish, it was like just this interesting thing is we conceived of it together and it brought your experience working with Shakespeare and my experience in like education, like together in this very, like, I don't know, like it felt like a very fine point mm-hmm. and it just like, it just had this like movement and drive to it mm-hmm. that was pretty, I felt, it felt like it was pretty instantaneous. Like once we had the idea that like, hey, this kid show thing could be something we could do. Yeah. It, we were like off and running. Yeah. Um, we just needed them to say yes. Yeah. Because we, we kind of pitched it for like a year or so. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they were like, one of the, the education director who started the kid show program um, was moving on to another job, and then they were bringing in somebody else. Anyway, we finally pitched it to the new person, and she was like, oh, Get me a draft. Hell yeah. Get yeah. me a draft. Yeah. And we'll see. And it was like, Oh. Okay, here we go. Okay. So we, we spent a lot of time in a coffee shop. We were kind of um, nomads ourselves, mm-hmm. trying to figure out where we wanted to lay roots, and we were staying at a friend's house who was getting ready to sell their house. There was a coffee shop nearby and we didn't have internet. There was like nothing to do at the house. We're like, well, I guess we're going to go write that play. And it really did become this process of finding what we each lent to the process Mm -hmm. in, in real time. And we, we ended up doing this show two years in a row. Not the same Um, show, but this, right. Yeah. But we wrote two different plays two years back to back. And the mm-hmm. first year we did it was really like focused and we had to find our way mm-hmm. a little bit because I had never really done any, I'd never, I had never written a play before. Mm-hmm. So I had to like really do some like work on like, how does one write plays? How does one structure plays? How does one make that happen? <clears throat> but I've always been like good at creative writing, mm-hmm. you know, writing lyrics and songs and stuff and so and poetry. So the idea of the language was something I was really comfortable with, but I didn't have the, I, I, I didn't have the experience of like building an arc right. over time for characters, which is great if you can steal a Shakespeare idea, like the arc is kind of baked in, so that certainly helped. <laughs> that definitely helped, except that I would say that we followed the Shakespeare play a little more loosely the first time. Yes. And and relied on sort of other ways of structuring mm-hmm. plot and character and conflict. But we the premise yeah, was the, like the archetypes off of, were there. You it's know. like it followed Romeo and Juliet a little bit more, 
Then, you know, the brilliant film Nomeo and Juliet. Oh, yes. You remember? That, <laughs> that film. Oh, I don't even, I like don't remember what happened. They were gnomes. <clears throat> that was like it. It that was, was called <laughs> Nomeo and Juliet. They were gnomes. That was the pitch meeting. Was that was the whole pitch <laughs> meeting. It was like, it's Rodeo and Juliet, except gnomes. And we're going to call it Nomeo and Juliet. And they were like, we yes. love it. But did it have any? There was like a it table did. gnome. It did. There was uh, two gnome families. <clears throat> we are off track. We are bare me all over the all no, over we're again. Not. Yes. <laughs> what I'm saying is, our Rodeo and Juliet followed the Shakespeare closer than that film. That is true. Which was produced and had a lot of money. Had a lot of money behind DreamWorks, that. man. Well. <laughs> Dreamwork makes Did the dream not works. Make those dreams work for me. <laughs> anyway, so but then the second one we did was based off of the Scottish play. We called it iMackers. We did, and it was like about cyberbullying and stuff, and a high mm-hmm. school production of the Scottish play. Yeah, and so essentially, instead of like assassinating <clears throat> the king, it was like character assassination online. It was so cool. It was fun. And it was, it was really spoken great. word. I would say with Rodeo and Juliet, we collaborated on every single thing. Right. You know, like we wrote it together. We directed it together. We had design meetings together. We did, you know, everything was, I would say, pretty 50-50. Yes. Yeah. And then the second time we did it worked just as well, if not better, mm-hmm. because... We knew. We knew what our strengths were. And I think time was crunchier. Yeah, we yeah. had more time we had more to collaborate scheduling on Rodeo Juliet. But with iMacers, it was like long distance. Very a much lot. apart, yeah. you were traveling. So you did a lot more of the writing. Yep. And we still used um, poetic writing. Yes. But it was more It was <laughs> more free form. It wasn't it was as like spoken word. rigid. Um, and I had a lot more license to play with the language. I didn't have mm-hmm. to keep to that's those specific rhythms which yeah. as you being the shakespeare person you needed to have eyes on that always yeah um whereas with the second time i kind of could freeform it a little more yeah and then you were looking at it more in that big picture story arc right lens. so, so it, it was really it was and I, I had more time to do the directing yeah. and the sort of overall creative vision yeah. of seeing it realized yeah. on stage. And what was interesting about that process is like we I don't really recall us ever having a conversation about like you're going to do this part, you're going to do this part. We like knew what needed to happen in the time it needed to happen and we knew what we needed to do and we like split off and just took care of it. Yeah. And that happened very naturally. We started directing the first one and it became very clear instantly, like, Emily is going to do most of, like, the directing work. She's got the eye on it. She's got the big picture in mind. And then, like, I was the one who was, like, pulling kids to the side and, like, working, like, little moment-to-moment things with them and giving them little, like, pep talks. You know, like, the teacher in me, like, was coming out. And so I was great. like, come over here, hang out over here. We're going to talk through this and we're going to get through this tricky part mm-hmm. and we'll run it as many times as we need, need to. And you were taking care of like the big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think 
that was all a really fantastic way for us, I think, to learn to like play to our strengths and let each other play to our strengths. Mm-hmm. And and I do have to like add <laughs> that during this time, y'all, like no joke, this was like the two like probably worst years of our marriage. They were the hardest. Like the two hardest years of our marriage. And when it came to the relationship. Yeah. Our relationship at the time was a hot mess. Like it was it was Rocky. it was rough. Like yeah. we were going through a lot. We were going through some stuff. And we had, and had been for like several years before that. And I think what was wild is here we are our relationship was just going through this really tough time and yet together collaboratively we were like lock step yeah perfect it was like in so many ways the closest i'd felt to you in years yeah and in so many ways it was like a perfect complement of how we reinforce the good in the other yeah i remember thinking yeah. especially the second year we did that mm-hmm. when things were really like touch and go with us personally i remember being so sad like things didn't work out in the relationship <laughs> what what's going to happen to kids like, are kid we going to ever do kids shows together yeah. again because we do so well right. together and and, in- and there was that glimpse <laughs> of hope of like we can problem solve together and we, we can, can collaborate if we can collaborate on this other thing we can collaborate on ourselves, ourselves. yeah um, and, and in many ways, it was like the kind of the lone bright spot. Yeah. And during that time, it was like, and it was crazy, y'all. Like we'd we'd be in rehearsals doing mm-hmm. it, like going through it with these kids, and have like this amazing time. And then we leave that rehearsal, and it was like darkness. It was like a dark cloud. Like it was weird, you yeah. know. And it was like hard to rectify and make sense of. To reconcile that. Reconcile, I meant. <laughs> it was hard to reconcile that because it, it was, it was so drastic. Yeah. But it was something that I think pulled us, not pulled us out of it, but it, I don't know, kept us just like hanging on to the edge a little bit longer. Yeah. It was like our, um, <laughs> Same I don't know, grace. climbing. Yeah. I don't know, climbing, but the rope. <laughs> a belay. Is that the, what? Belayment, belayer. The person who belays, I don't know. It was a crampon. A crampon. The tether. It was our tether. I mean, really. Mm -hmm. Like a sort of anchor to what is good about us. We were dangling off the edge of El Capitan. We didn't have to free solo that shit. Imagine if we did. (laughs) We wouldn't be here to tell this tale. No. So So that was a a really great collaborative experience. So what's what's another one that we did? Well, we just did that radio play. I mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was a great, I, I was very proud of that product. Yeah. And I think it was a really great time. The winter of the, the yeah. pandemic. It was like a year. fun thing to do. Yeah. It was a fun thing to do. <clears throat> I'm used to being really busy over the holidays with mm-hmm. shows and stuff. So it was nice to have a, a little holiday project to work on to get us kind of in the spirit. Yeah. But so y'all, if you didn't hear it. Uh, when it we when we produced it, uh, we were hired. I was hired to direct a radio play of a child's Christmas in Wales, a, an adaptation of mm-hmm. the short story by Dylan Thomas. And they said, you know, because it was co, it was like the worst of COVID. They were like, you know, we understand if you don't want to use a lot of actors, we want to 
everybody to be safe and all of mm-hmm. that. So, you know, maybe it's something that you and Nate could do together. So you, I, I directed and Nate and I were the actors, the two right. actors and singers in the play. Yeah. And we have this tiny recording booth, not for our podcast, because we make it, we would drive each other crazy. Right. <clears throat> it's literally like a tiny little stand-up closet. Yeah. It's that like, we record like stuff like that in. It's like a three by two yeah. closet. It's a one person closet. At for sure. At best. Yeah. And we had to for this make it a two person closet. Hours of recording. Standing in this little non-ventilated space. Literally like we were too close to the project. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, In in many ways. And it it was challenging in a way. And part of what made it challenging is we had, we had a different dynamic. Whereas with the two plays we wrote, we were collaborating on it. It was our joint shared project. Mm -hmm. But in this one, you were hired to do this. Right. And I was like the one like joining you to, yeah, to help I was make it hired happen. To, you know? Yeah. You were my subordinate. Yeah, I was. <clears throat> so the power dynamic was definitely a challenge. And I will say I did not make that process easy <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, well, that's why we're doing table work. I have all of this dramaturgical information for you if you would just play along. I was like, can we just like get in here and just like hit record and say the things? And you're like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember before uh, we agreed to do it? Yeah. Or before I agreed that you would be my sole actor mm-hmm. or that you would be in it at all, I was like, if you want to do this. <laughs> You have to understand and accept that I'm going to be the director. Yeah. Do you remember me saying that? I do. And what did you say? I said, of course. (laughs) Of course you're the director. I am but a humble servant. No, there's no servitude in, (laughs) hopefully, in theater. And so, yes, it was was challenging (laughs) because I, you know, and... and You don't like being told what to do. I don't like being told what to do. Absolutely not. Um, that is true. And I don't like to be told what to do in a small, stuffy space. Right. <laughs> and I wasn't doing the, the, the front work. Like, you were doing the prep. You cut it, adapted it. You did all of the work leading up to the actual recording. And then I, then it was my turn to, like, join in. And I didn't have the trust in, like, the material and well, I'll what, say that, yeah, you know. and I didn't adapt it initially from the short story. I adapted it from an adaptation yeah. for the theater by yeah. the Foothill Theater Company yeah. and the brilliant people there. But I had seen that production yeah. m- multiple times. And, and I had not. Yeah. And so, I just read the play, like the script, and I was like, I don't understand. We listened to Dylan Thomas reading the story, though. And that made more sense to me. Which, yeah, that was I- part of our table work. Once you <laughs> yeah. were like, okay, fine. Uh- <laughs> You were so annoyed. I was like, we're going to listen to this now. And you were like, ugh. It's the longest why? poem in and my then you life. Loved it. I did love it. <laughs> and now you're a big Dylan Thomas I fan. I am. We just bought a piece of art that's called a parcel of stone. It's true. After, uh, what's, the, um, what's the poem? A parcel of stone. No. It's a, it's a quote from a Dylan Thomas <laughs> Oh, I don't poem. remember. It's the one about the outbreak of yeah. World War II. 
before it happened. Dylan Did Thomas I, mostly just did like lighthearted, lighthearted, yes, just yeah, cute. Yeah, it's like it was Christmas Day. We had a jolly time. We were walking, and then we stared at a dead bird for hours and pondered death and decay and despair. And then we had pudding. And then we had pudding. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's every Dylan Thomas poem in a nutshell. And that was basically how our process went. <laughs> And we're like, what is he talking about? I'm like, life and everything. Why are there poor children? Life and death, and because that's life. <laughs> it's all amazing and horrible and beautiful. Yeah. And and so it was and it was different in the in the in the way it came about is that it wasn't a thing we jointly came up with. It was not like a passion project of ours. It was a thing you were commissioned to do. And I had to like get on board, trust, and get on board. Trust. I had to trust. It took me longer than it should have. Like until <laughs> we were done. <clears throat> no, I had a great time. We also brought in help. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, because it was a radio play, uh, Nate and I have done some work with our dear friend Rick Wasserman, who is an amazing voiceover actor and owns a. A company called Bookable. He does a lot of voiceover mm-hmm. coaching, and um, so we brought him in to help us with the voiceover and aspect. co-inventor of the Tri Booth. Yes, which is a portable booth for voiceover. Which he is brought amazing. it here to Crete and did like voiceover for AMC and ESPN yeah, and it's amazing stuff. Movie trailers, yeah. Anyway, so, so he's a badass, and he we brought him in via Zoom to like coach us on the voiceover yeah. stuff, and that was a great opportunity. For me to take a little bit of a backseat for a moment yeah. and do some table work and ask some questions mm-hmm. and kind of we were able to simultaneously work on telling the story more clearly with our voices since mm-hmm. we didn't have our bodies and um, and and just kind of like get a real good sense yeah. of what the play was about, yeah. where it was headed, what each scene was about, yeah. and, and it clarify was, stuff. And it was helpful to have <laughs> like a neutral third party yeah who was not like invested in the project to be like what's going on or our relationship what is happening (laughs) yeah like he didn't care that you know we just had a you know falling out in the middle of a two foot by three foot (laughs) closet right right before he doesn't care he's He's just trying to help us figure out this scene about what to do who is anti-dosey Yeah. And why is she so drunk? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I think that was like an important lesson is like, it is important sometimes, especially in a thing that is posing a challenge to like have that third party, to have somebody who can like take a neutral look at and be like, well, this is what I see. Is this what you see? And sometimes you're like, no, it wasn't what I see, but I see it now and like (laughs) yeah and I think to ask the questions of like okay what is the goal here Mm -hmm. and that's something as a leader I don't always do uh and I think it's like one of the most important things is to figure out okay what's our goal for today like Mm -hmm. break it down not only know for yourself but like communicate that effectively at the top of each session and like, you know, check in with that as you go. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes in a creative art form, it's hard to think of it in that way. Yeah. But well, that was really. And and sometimes I think because we are a couple, we've been together a long time, it's <clears throat> easy to be a little like laissez-faire about 
setting yourself up for success and like saying like, what are the norms here? What are we going to do today? Yeah. What is our outcome at the end of this two hours? Mm -hmm. What do we need to prioritize? And sometimes we get a little too at ease with each other and we're like, well, let's just get in there and let's just do it. And yeah, let's just get it done. And we don't like set out what that looks like or what that means. For I that tried time really frame. hard. I yeah. made a schedule for us. <laughs> you like, did. I was really. You- <laughs> I tried very hard to separate. I should clarify myself as your wife. I was too <laughs> laissez faire about that because I we do have that shorthand, and yeah. I'm very like comfortable just being like, yeah, let's jump in and let's do it and let's figure it out. And this was more technical, and it was more specific. Yeah. And it required a lot more moving parts. Because not only were we speaking lines and and playing multiple characters and doing this narration, but we were also singing like music. Yeah. Holiday songs in multiple parts. So we'd have to lay like we did a four part, a lot of four part (laughs) harmony with just the two of us. Yeah. And so we'd have to like lay all these tracks separately and we'd have to learn, I'd have to teach the music and, um, so it was, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. And we had a very quick turnaround with it. Yeah. I think that we started recording early November and the final product was yeah. due like right before Thanksgiving. So if you go back and you, you know, <clears throat> where, when and listen to A Child's Christmas in Wales radio, see if you can catch the moment where I single-handedly am bringing the project down. <laughs> No, you're like, not. Like, no, can no, you? I know. No, um, um, no, and and if, uh, we're talking about this so much. You you probably can't access it now, but over the holidays, I think they make it available. They do. Yeah, uh, and if they don't, you should write them and demand arvadacenter.org. Find an email. Release and- it from the archives. <laughs> Limited edition. Free the radio play. <laughs> Uh yeah, it it was. I was really proud of that project. It turned we had an amazing out really, sound designer, really Jason well. Ducat, who did yeah. like all these beautiful sound yeah. effects of like, despite all my best and snow efforts, and <laughs> the dying birds <laughs> sabotage the whole thing. No, you, yeah, you tried really hard, but you couldn't do it. Couldn't do no it, no matter how hard. Power you tried. of Dylan Thomas is yeah more powerful than my sour attitude. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So that that happened, and then, gosh, I feel like we've collaborated creatively more than two. So we did two um, kids shows. Mm-hmm. We did the radio play. Remember when we first got together and you were writing music? Oh yeah. Didn't I help you with some of that? You did. Yeah. I can't remember what I did. Did I write a tune or lyrics or maybe I didn't even really help. I just listened to you. And went, oh my god, you're so you're so cute. You're so good. <laughs> we at were just stuff. into each other, so I was like, you were like, that's a great song. Hey, I'm like, I'm gonna write more of them. Hey girl, you wanna listen to a song I wrote about my ex? <laughs> All right, I wrote ten songs on the subway here. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but our most recent collaboration is this concert, right. which we're still in the middle of it. Yes. Yeah. However, we did get pretty far. In collaborating on a concert similar to this one. It's the same idea, but we failed spectacularly. (laughs) It would have happened, and it would have been mediocre. It would have been all right. Because we didn't have enough time Mm -hmm. or a clear 
vision for what it was at the time. Mm -hmm. This is in 2018, and it fell apart not because we made it fall apart, but because (laughs) scheduling conflicts and our our music director had to go do an amazing gig elsewhere, which is fine because I think it was, like, going to kind of be half-assed. Yeah. And this time around, we're taking about half the songs that we did then, Mm -hmm. and we threw out half the songs, and we brought in some other songs, and but really, the the most beautiful part about it is that since then we've started this podcast, mm-hmm. and we've kind of realized together what our purpose is. Mm-hmm. You and I, as a couple, outward facing, yeah, you know what we want to be about, and that is to sort of talk about and reveal and mm-hmm. like expose relationship issues and and promote mental health and like authenticity so we decided the best way to do this concert now is just to do what we're already doing but with music yeah and be real with our audience but this (laughs) time it's live and we get to sing also and and what's been interesting about this process is because we had a first attempt at it that did not go well. <laughs> we learned a lot about the the process. I think mm. that we got to kind of change how we approached it. Yeah, you know, the first time it was very much a lot of songs that we didn't have music for. It was, you know, yeah. based off of listening to the recordings and, and kind of figuring it out. Charts we could find online. Not, know, not even charts. Guitartabs.com, you know, yeah. and, and, and just trying to piece it together with only a piano. And and figuring out harmonies by ear and stuff, yeah. which sometimes I'm good at, sometimes I'm not. Like, I, mm-hmm. I learn a lot by ear, but I also have been working with music on mm-hmm. a page for so long that it's really hard for me yeah. to not see it. Yeah. Like you are really like you're a really good strong sight reader. You're really good at like learning parts and singing parts and doing it very quickly with with music especially. Um and I haven't done that in years. I haven't done that since high school choir, mm-hmm. really. Like when I really like engaged in that a little bit in college, but not as much. And so like I'm rusty as hell. When it comes to like reading sheet music, um, but I'm I'm good at hearing things and repeating them. I have like a good ear for things, so mm-hmm. I can listen to something and be like, okay, I can yeah. replicate that. But I look at sheet music and I'm like, mm, this means yeah. nothing to me unless you play it, so I can hear it. Right. Um, and so I think that first time we did that, there was actually a lot of kind of conflict because it was very abstract. You didn't have. Yeah. The details in front well, of you. Well, and you were sharing information based off of what he, I hear, what you hear mm-hmm. with our music director, and I was having trouble keeping up just because it was so abstract in my head. I was like, what are we doing? What are we repeating? Like, I wish I had sheet music. Measure numbers, please. Yeah. Tell me, like, and what, what time signature. Yeah, and I'm over I there. I just I'm need like, to see the It just needs to sound like uppy. And they're like, <clears throat> what? I'm like, you know, like the part of the recording where it sounds uppy. Where they're, just like, <laughs> where they're like down, where they're like downy first, and they're like like soft downy, and then they're like loud uppy, kind of like that. And like the music, the person who has like you know multiple degrees in music theory is looking at me like this person is insane. No, he he was like more with you than I was. And I was like I I I'm gonna need I'm gonna need a piece of paper. 
I'm going to yeah. need notes. <laughs> I'm going to need mezzo piano, mezzo forte. Yeah, what are yeah, you talking? It's, it is like a funny thing. And then when it when I do get the details in front of me and I t- can take the time to look at it, it kind of comes rushing back and I'm like, oh, yes. But what's great about <laughs> this time around is our music director is, oh, my God, Andy Hudson. If you're listening, you're a genius. I just am so grateful he has made us an entire score for us. He's taken all of our guitar tabs and all of our mm-hmm. notes and all of our ideas for these arrangements of these songs and made actual sheet music. Yeah. Not only that, but charts for guitar, bass, drums, piano, ukulele, um, yeah. and and created all these tracks and anything. So we could just take all of this yeah. and and do this concert anywhere. Yeah. And again, a neutral third party who yeah. is invested in us succeeding. Yeah. Right? And, and so he is very helpful at, at looking at me and being like, well, I would like this. And you coming, well, and I would like this. Mm-hmm. And looking at the big picture of, well, what does, how do we take those two things and make them work together to be successful? Yeah. Um, and he's doing it musically, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But he asks the right questions. Mm-hmm. And he has like the right feedback, yeah. you know, and I think sometimes it's easier to sit and look at that third party, tell you, I don't think that's a good idea mm-hmm. and be like, I hear you and I agree. Whereas if like the other person was like, I don't think that's a good idea. It's like, well, you don't like me and you don't even like my ideas. <laughs> and why are we even doing this concert? Why do we always do this? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, it's, it's. It's true. It's important to have that outside perspective yeah. because it does feel personal yeah. sometimes. And and I can't tell you how many times like in past <laughs> collaborations where you're like f- fighting me on something. I'm trying to offer some constructive feedback mm-hmm. and not criticizing you as a person in mm-hmm. any way. But like it gets muddy. It gets muddy. It's so silly, and, but and it does. And you're it, like, yeah. what do you say? Oh. Uh, is it? Oh, well, you're just like resisting, resisting. And, and then at some point I'm like, I just need you to listen to me and take my advice because this is what I do for my career. This is my job. And trust me that I know what I'm talking about. Like, but that's not really the way to handle it. Either, you know? Well, when it's your husband, it might be. <laughs> it might be. Those of you who are in partnerships that also collaborate on things. Tell us how you do it. Yeah, how do you do it better than we do yeah, it? Yeah, what makes you better than us? <laughs> I want to know. I want a weekly segment of like, what makes you better than us? Where we just Should read. We? we just read like, so-and-so in Michigan is better than us because... <laughs> I was like, and I can't argue. <laughs> well, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are better than us. They are. Because all the reasons. I mean, all the reasons. I mean, look at A Quiet Place. Emily Blunt's way more attractive than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And they know sign language. So already ASL tops it. Yeah. We just know baby sign language. All things else being equal, (laughs) they have that on us. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. You know, all things are not equal, but (laughs) we know baby sign language, which... Which we started making gestures for our baby to help communicate, and we just were making things up. No, and we've confused it. It was like show choir. <laughs> it was like the show choir version of baby's sign language, like and jazz hands. And yeah, she's... except that's closer to what it act- all done is like 
Christy's jazz hands. <laughs> and we just did it all wrong. We did all done like <laughs> clap, clap, except yeah. now she just claps like, when she's mad. <laughs> the chicken dish. She does our daughter. She's like, all done, all and, done. And she just claps and she's furious. She's like, so angry. There was a month where she just didn't want to be changed on the on the changing table she didn't want her diaper changed or whatever and she just (laughs) she would just cry and clap on the changing table and then she figured out she could just turn around and crawl off of it so yeah that's a whole other thing that's where we're at (laughs) so did I bear me us again? (laughs) (laughs) is that what you're saying? is that what Nate just threw his hands up in the air I just threw up in the air so all done (laughs) all done (laughs) all done (laughs) what are you talking about? So, 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 like, bring this all back to this idea of what we, what have we actually learned? Like, how has our marriage gotten better or worse because of this, because of these collaborations? What I love is that when we started collaborating on projects outside of the relationship was when our relationship was at its lowest. Mm Mm-hmm. And we've continued to collaborate creatively, but also on mm-hmm. our relationship, I don't think it's a coincidence that our relationship has gotten better right. alongside all of those other projects. Yeah. We also <laughs> went to therapy. Yeah. But a neutral party. A, a neutral party. <laughs> a neutral third party. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think what's so great about working together as a couple on something outside of the relationship is that you have the opportunity for it not to be personal Mm -hmm. and you have a very clear goal Goal. right and when you're in a relationship it's like till death you part right so that's the goal forever like when i can't envision that i can't picture that it's not a concrete thing it's like our goal is like going to hawaii next year Awesome. Great. So now I know the goal. And here let's... are A, B, C, and D, five yeah. things, four things yeah. to, <laughs> to, uh, to work on. Yeah. And, or, you know, we're going to renew our vows. What are the things we want yeah. by that so time? I think that has helped us. And I don't know if it's something we ever like, because we did this show, it's made me think no. that we should. No, it just be- it's only it now that naturally we're talking about kind it. of happened that we started setting kind of more clear goals and and touchstones along the way that we are aiming for. What's getting through this period of time, it's saving up for this vacation, it's getting through this series of of work transitions, whatever it is. Yeah, it's working through this by the time right. this baby is born. And like because it's a little more like bite-sized, a little more reachable, mm-hmm. it feels like we're kind of consistently succeeding yeah, as opposed to constantly failing at whatever life is supposed to be because that like, you know, it's easy to fail at life, but it's easy to succeed at goals that you're setting together. Life feels very abstract. Right. It's like, you know. Am I doing it? Am I doing doing it it right? I don't know. Am I good? Am I not good? Am I successful? I I didn't get a certificate. How do I know? Because because (laughs) happiness isn't an attainable goal. Right. And so I think the hard thing is not like, what's our marriage goal? To be happy. 
Right. Well, you'll never get it. There's no real tangible Our way to do that. Our goal is to make more time for each other in the next two months. Right. Our goal is to... Get fit AF so that we can wear swimsuits on, you know, the beach yeah. and whatever. Exactly. And, like, when we do those things, it works. And it works better. And we ultimately are happier. Yeah. Right? Like, we end up being happy more often because we're... Together. Well, it goes back to the the idea that happiness isn't really what people are looking for. It's purpose. Mm-hmm. And if we have these goals, mm-hmm. these smaller bite-sized goals for us as a couple, mm-hmm. then our purpose becomes very clear yeah. and it's and happiness working towards that. Happens along along as a the result. way as we go, right? Yeah. So I think that's something that definitely has been helpful. And I think it also just instilled more of that we win mentality. Like it's Yeah. I mean, I would you say it's fair to say there have been times in our marriage where it's very much like I win or I lose. And if I win, you lose. Uh, and like it's it's the you know, it's the cliche thing where it's like the goal shouldn't be to be right. Yeah. The goal should be yeah. to work through the problem. And I think that, you know, in relationships, it's so easy to just like dig in. And the goal is to be right. And as a result, your partner has to be wrong. Yeah. And it's, and it, it's not really about right and wrong. And I think it's where, when we collaborated in all the ways relationship or on outside projects, like if we, if, if we are, so stuck in the mud yeah. about this, you know, thing that we had in mind. Mm-hmm. We lose sight of the bigger picture. We don't the problem solve. Yeah, and and it, the goal should be to solve the problem and move yeah. forward. Yeah, not be like, well, we have to do it this way. And it and it does create it creates resentment too. Is you know, I I do love that idea of. Like, you know, if you, if your goal is to win every argument and you do win every, like, ah, I really put them in their place that day. Well, now they lost. And now that means you're married to a loser. Mm-hmm. What is that? And now you're in trouble. Like, no one wants to be married to a loser and no one wants to be the loser. And like, you are going to have, like, there's going to be resentment. It's going to build. Yeah. And it's like, you're going to look across each other and you're going to be at odds. Yeah. And you're going to see each other as like being on opposite sides of of the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Like when that's not how it should be. So like the goal shouldn't be to win. Yeah. Like I when I win, we don't win. Right. Right? Because if I win, that means someone lost. Uh so uh <laughs> Sandy Patty, if oh. any of y'all know Sandy Patty. Yes. Uh famous Christian pop singer. Yeah. Um really big deal like in the nineties, eighties, like Yeah. Amy Grant contemporary. Sorry, I'm barreming. Barreming. <laughs> but she always says, because she hosts this holiday show that I do with the symphony in Indianapolis, her motto is, when the show wins, we all win. Right. Right? And she's the star of the show. So it's, But she, like, understands that mm-hmm. it's not about her. Right. It's about the right. overall project. So, like... What would you? How would you translate when the show wins, we all win to the relationship? How would you translate that motto? How do you translate when it? when the relationship wins, we both win? Right. <laughs> 
it's that not, was easy. It's not as catchy, but <laughs> but when the matrimonials win, we all win. Oh, because show yeah. and mo. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't work. We'll, 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 we'll workshop it we'll and then it, we'll get back we'll to it. We'll put it on an ornament or something <laughs> on a mug. We'll put it on a mug, <laughs> on a wine glass. And it'll make sense after a this couple This really glasses. goes along with the theme of like our terrible title. Twice as less not perfectly, like not catchy. Can't remember it. <laughs> at all. No one will ever say that. <laughs> so. Um, uh, but, it's, but it's true. Like it. It shouldn't be about you, and mm-hmm. there's so much. There's so much like self help stuff, and you know, like Buddhist and sort of yoga philosophy of like it's not about the self, it's not about the ego, it's very much about the whole and mm-hmm. how you can serve the the whole. Right. So, I think the best the best collaborators are the ones who remove the the ego from right. it. And it's hard to do. It is hard to do. It, you know, and I think what's interesting is we've now gotten a chance to collaborate on enough things where we have actually begun to see like the patterns. Mm-hmm. Like we like we know like when it's really working, what is working, and we've seen like when it's not working, what is it that's getting in the way. Yeah. You know, and we've we've and we we've managed to get things done. We've managed to make things that more successful and and I think that we both walked away from feeling very proud of, but I think we've definitely seen what's made those that process easier or harder. Well, and I think yeah, I think that earlier on it was sort of trial by fire mm-hmm. and it worked. Yeah. And we, it was really successful. We were proud of what we came up with and the end result. Yeah. But as we've gone and mm-hmm. done it a few times, we realize, like, for example, with this concert, um, you know, we have the right supports in place. We yeah. know what each of us needs as individuals in order to best serve the yeah. project. Yeah, and we've so learned. We, like, put those supports in yeah, place. We've learned more about the approach that each of us takes to certain things. Mm-hmm. Who needs to think it through? who thinks they don't need to think it through and then has to realize that they did need to think it through and go back and do some of Uh. that, you know, and I think that, that process of realizing like, not only how do I bring my best self to this, but what can I do to ensure that my partner is able to bring their best self Mm -hmm. to it? You know, because if I'm feeling great about how it's going, but you don't have the things that you need to feel equally as great about how it's going, then we don't win. Right. Right. And so I think recognizing and checking in and seeing like, how are we individually experiencing this joint venture Mm -hmm. and then adjusting as needed Mm -hmm. and bringing in the support that's needed for whoever is missing something. Yeah. You know, who who is needing that extra. And this is why therapy is so important. Mm-hmm. Perspective. Yes. Someone to ask you the questions. What are you what is your goal here? Mm-hmm. When this happens, what is your goal? And does this behavior help you yeah. reach that goal? And I think what is so interesting about once you go to therapy, once you have gone to therapy, it allows you to uncover really deep truth permeating seemingly very simple things. 
And it's like, for example, it feels like it's like Neo in the Matrix. Like once the code is there, you see it everywhere. Uh huh. Right. Everything you look at, you're like, oh yeah, that's well. It's like you buy a blue car, and all of a sudden you see you see blue cars everywhere. Right. And and it's like so. An example of that would be is something as simple as us singing a song together. Mm -hmm. Right. And how the two of us would approach that. Mm -hmm. And I approach that like I know the song. That's mm-hmm. why I picked it, because I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the song. And I know the like, song. But let's break it down. Let's just sing it. Let's just sing it through Who once. Who sings what when? Who's singing what? And, and, and once you know each other and once you've gone to therapy, you see these little like micro-relationship dynamics playing out in every, every everything. Where? Right. Like it could be as something as innocuous as, uh, oh, oh, Chargers. Like, I don't know why. I just looked over Tell at our computer chargers. So, like, we have multiple Apple devices. We have multiple chargers of everything. Like, I have one in a bag. There's three of them plugged in in the same power strip. I take the charger that is available, yeah. that is near where I need it to be. And Emily's like, Where's my damn charger? And I'm like, Oh, I'm using it. And she's like, Can I unplug it? And I'm like, Oh, of course. But, and it's this sort of like, in the moment thing, it is very much my in the moment thing. Oh, yeah, because I am, I'm the kind of person that needs to know whose charger right. is where. My charger is from my computer. <laughs> That's it. And and if you need to charge your computer, well, you should probably get your charger out of right. the bag. But I, because I come in here and I'm like going to plug in my- Is this my charger? <laughs> and it's plugged into your computer and I'm like- in on the inside yeah. seething. Right. And it's funny that I never said that that oh, makes but me crazy. I, I know. You know. I do know. I'm not I like <laughs> and and so I try to be like very apologetic when I like cuz I'm I'm coming at it from like convenience. Like yeah. there's one charger. There's limited and like to me, plugs. That's there's like, no it's silly to unplug your charger just so I can plug mine and in. To me I'm like the result so is the rude. same. Your computer's not that- charged. <laughs> He just assumes that my charger is so his charger. All of this to say that <laughs> our therapist would be like, "There's eighty thousand things that Nate does that like come back to the idea of the charger, like yeah, you or know the song. Let's just <laughs> let's just sing it. I know it. Yeah, like let's just find I'm the like, most. No, we have to talk the about the most seemingly convenient." way forward is what yeah. I'm always going to go for, even if it may inconvenience someone else. someone else. But in the moment, it felt like the most convenient path forward. Sure. But convenient isn't always... Correct. Well, it's not about being correct or not correct, <laughs> but it isn't always the most exciting choice. It's true. <laughs> Which is why for our concert, I'm really glad we have a third party who it's can true. help us find more exciting yeah. choices. Because he's written all these amazing, badass harmonies for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. It's um, fantastic. I will say that I I have to admit when it comes to this collaboration we're working on right now as we mm-hmm. speak, that I am... It's funny because in most of my life, especially when it comes to my work, I care very deeply about, I'm very detail-oriented. I want all the information. I want to communicate all the information. I want it all planned out. Right. Uh, and sometimes I even fail at that to, 
despite how much I try. And, and so I'm very like a deadline oriented. If there's a deadline that is set for me by my employer or Mm -hmm. boss or outside source, I am so loyal to that and so rigid. But I think because I'm so, I get so stressed about that, Uh uh, that personally, when it comes to something that I've, an idea or project I have, I cut myself so much slack when it comes to deadlines and, um, <laughs> and you know, getting things done mm-hmm. that I am the worst procrastinator in the world. And so I do recognize, like, I'll confess, I, I recognize that sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get me to do actually do the work like i have big ideas Mm -hmm. amazing ideas and when it comes down to executing them like i love to talk about it i am all talk right all (laughs) ideas all talk and then when it comes to actually doing it i'm like i don't really feel like it and you're like and you're like let's go no ideas but you're like let's just do it let's let's go but you're like, you want to do the work. Yeah. It's this. funny. Cause like, like most conversations about the podcast we have go like something like this. It's like, I'm always like, I have this great idea, like this big picture thing, like for the podcast, if we do this and Why this, we, talk about we could this? get it going and going. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and we would have to record something. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah preferably we'll no, but soon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and this is this is also how it goes. You're like, okay, so let's record the podcast. When can we record the podcast? We're like, oh, how about tomorrow afternoon? And you're like, cool. Tomorrow afternoon comes and goes. Comes and goes. And you're like, we were gonna record the podcast. Eleven o'clock at night. I'll be like, oh yeah. Hey, weren't we gonna? I was like, oh right. Oh, we were yeah. gonna do that. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> do <it> tomorrow. <laughs> And yeah, so I have to uh, be better about that. That's your confession? Sure. That is my confession (laughs) to you today and my promise that I will try to do better. Yeah. So my confession. (laughs) Bring it. Bring it. Is that I have a hard time when we collaborate with Killing My Darlings and also I would say in general. Like, um, oh, Killing your darlings. Oh yeah. Wow. Like when I have like the idea that I have, I'm like, that's that's it. That's what I want to do. And I'm like, it is hard to like move me off that idea. And I can get like locked in on a idea, a song, a line, a gag, whatever it is, right? Yeah. I can get locked in on that. And it is really and part of it is because like I don't get to like perform very often. I don't get to do those creative artistic things. So I'm like, this is my, this is it. This is all I get. This is my Mm -hmm. one shot. I got to pour every ounce and squeeze every bit of creative, like every, like juice and enjoyment out of it. And so it's like hard for me to let go of things. And so sometimes that's where that neutral person is really helpful Yeah, because it's like, You'll be like, I don't think that'll work. I'm like, I don't believe you because I think it's a great damn idea. It works idea. really well in my head. Freaking great idea, right? And so we'll see about that. And then we turn and look and they're like, yeah, I don't think that's really going to work that well. And I'm like. The third party mm, says that. Yeah. I'm thinking that, you know, upon further reflection that maybe <sighs> we should um, cut that thing. 
<laughs> that I love so very much, well, and a part thing. of me dies inside, and I. <laughs> well, but but you and that like was my darling. Thank thank you for thank you. That was your darling. <laughs> that you was killed my it. darling. I killed it. <laughs> well, I mean, you like improv, right? I do, and that's all about yes and that it's like you come with an idea, and then someone else yeah. takes that and adds to it. Yeah. And then you take their idea and you add to it. And sometimes you have to just like let it's go true. of what you had in your yeah. head about what you were going to do. Yeah. It's easier with improv because you haven't had time to like marinate you on the idea. You haven't had time to really like to really fall commit in love and fall with. in love with it. You didn't swaddle it. You didn't <laughs> You didn't you rock that that idea to, to sleep. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like finding a random baby on the sidewalk and be like, "Oh, that's a great and little someone baby. Someone like, that's my baby. And you're like, oh, great. And you set it back down and you walk away. Yeah. Is that what you do with babies? Nate doesn't take babies randomly. From I do the not. To be no, clear. I, I walk across to the other side of the street. My, not my baby, not my problem. Right. All those babies that are randomly lying on the sidewalk that we see. <laughs> <laughs> that's why but, I don't go to fire departments. Yeah. I'm always leaving babies on the steps. I don't always. Want, I don't want none of that. Want none of that. No. Or churches either. That's why I don't go to churches. <laughs> I saw Hunchback in Notre Dame. I know how this goes. I don't. I don't need that Quasimodo business in my life. It's complicated. It is. It's too complicated. Quasimodo. <laughs> you just say he's a quasimodo. Yeah. <laughs> Not a full moto. Not a full moto. It's a quasimodo. <laughs> During the Disney movie, when like he was about to throw Quasimodo down the well, I was like, let that kid go. Now who's Jeremy Barrowman? <laughs> <laughs> we could have Did saved I say it, right? we could have ended this movie 70 minutes ago, but we could have avoided the singing uh gargoyles and everything. We could have ended just this podcast let this, you had minutes. him, right? Just let him go. <laughs> let it go. End of movie. All right. So uh yeah, what else? Come to the concert. <laughs> come to the concert. So yeah, come see our concert. It will be so much fun. <laughs> a night of songs. What what are they gonna hear? Uh we have some Bob Dylan. Yes. We have some of the Beatles. Yes. We have some Edith Piaf, mm-hmm. some Sarah Bareilles, some mm-hmm. Sam Smith. All kinds of good stuff. What are the Eclectic. other famous ones? <laughs> None of the ones I'm singing. <laughs> no, you're singing Sam Smith. That's, That's right. a bomb song. Yeah. So it's <clears throat> it's going to be like a great mix of, of music. We have a full band. Um, it's July 19th at Creed Repertory Theater in Creed, Colorado. It's on their main stage, mm-hmm. July 19th at 7 p.m. Yeah. You can get your tickets at creedrep.org. It's going to support live theater. Yeah. And if you can't make it to Creed, Colorado, first of all, you're a loser. And second of all, <laughs> you're not a loser. I'm just kidding. I love you. But second of all, the concert is all a benefit for them. So if you can't make it, mm-hmm. you know, definitely still listen to the podcast yeah. and then imagine us singing at you. And then, But you can make donations to, mm-hmm. um, to so support can, this beautiful theater. So you can find them at, on Instagram at Creed Rep mm-hmm. or you can go to creedrep.org. Yep. And you can buy tickets there. You can make donations there. Um, don't just come up and see our show. See all the shows. Oh, my gosh. Spend a weekend. Always Go on a hike. Decline. See a show. Yeah. Go. Do some trout fishing. Exactly. See a show. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. You can bring your ATV mm-hmm. and then go see a show. Right. After your ATV ride. 
Exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, and you, so the shows are doing Always Patsy Cline. I'm playing Patsy Cline. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a cool play called Sherwood about, it's an adaptation of Robin Hood. They're doing Steel Magnolias, classic. Native Gardens. Native Gardens, this um, cool new play called The Royale. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a cool, it's a really cool place. So come on down to Crete, y'all. And, and check out Mess is More Than Musical on July mm-hmm. 19th. Look at the show notes and you can find all of the information about how to contact them, um, how to buy tickets, how to, uh, donate, all that good stuff. Yeah. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. All right. Happy collaborating. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Messes More. Want to hear more about what it takes to have a messy marriage? Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And share us with your friends and family. You can follow us on all the socials. Find us on Facebook at Messy Marriage Podcast. And Instagram at A Messy Marriage Podcast. Have a question or an idea for an episode? Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, when it comes to marriage, mess is more.